everyone and welcome back to Haunted History Chronicles. Before we introduce today's podcast or guest, if you like this podcast, please consider leaving a review. It costs nothing, but it helps share news of the podcast and guests I feature with others interested within the paranormal. It's a simple and easy way to help the podcast continue to grow and be a space for people to chat and come together. If you haven't already found us on the Haunted History Chronicles website, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, you can find links to all social media pages in any of the notes for an episode. Come and join us to get involved and gain access to additional blogs, news and updates. And now, let's get started introducing today's episode. Step into the world of some of the UK's oldest pubs with Laurie and Jones from Alehouse Haunts. As she regales us with the reports and accounts of historic buildings that carry centuries of stories, secrets and spectral whispers that have been handed down through generations, weaving them into the very essence of the establishment. The haunted pubs of the United Kingdom offer a captivating blend of history, folklore and the paranormal. So gather your courage, raise a glass, and prepare for a haunting adventure with Lorian as she transports us to some of these hallowed locations, boasting otherworldly inhabitants and phenomena. Hi Lorian, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Do you want to just start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? I have been kind of working within the paranormal since uh, 2013, which is when I started my website, The Ghost Book. I, um, I first started investigating, uh, I think I went on my first public public kind of ghost hunt in 2006 at Alton Towers, which kind of, you know, started the bug as it does with many. I'd always had an interest from a young age, and I don't know why, to be honest, a lot of people have stories where they um, see like a, a past relative in the room or have a spooky old lady who haunts a house. I never had any of that, but I always have the interest, which kind of intrigues me more. Um, anyway, so fast forward through all that. Um, started the ghost book, which was uh, writing about haunted places. And I used to advertise events, ghost hunt events for the various companies that were operating. Back then, there was a lot fewer than there are now. Um, and that grew and grew until it kind of, it wasn't holding my interest as much anymore. And I kind of thought, what do I need to focus on to to kind of maintain my passion? And it was pubs, I realised. Well, I didn't kind of realise. I always knew I'd loved pubs more than just the social aspect and meeting up with friends and things. And so... In 2020 of all years, um, when all the pubs were shut, I decided to start my new venture, which is called Alehouse Haunts, um, which is just looking at the history and the hauntings of all the pubs that we have, um, predominantly, predominantly in England, because obviously I live in England and they're more accessible, but we will be branching out into Scotland, Ireland and Wales as well. Yeah, so I, I started up a website for Alehouse Haunts as well, which I've kind of put on hold for now whilst I focus on other projects. So um, I started writing a book, which is looking at the history and the 
hauntings of our pubs so why they are so haunted what what history do they have that's made them one of our most haunted recognized buildings and then yeah the little projects will come along as part of that i think there's something very quintessentially english about the haunted pub i mean we really are very well known for them in some places you can't go more than a few feet before you get another oh this is the most haunted pub in england Definitely. for a different reason i mean they really are dotted all over the place what would you say is the kind of the magical quality of the pub and why it is something that intrigues so many of us for its stories and its its ghost lore and its hauntings i think um the history obviously like you say there's so many which um claim to be the most haunted, claim to be the eldest. Um, and over that course of time, you've got a lot of people, diff- I always imagine the different fashions of people, like the Poldark types swaggering in their tricon hats and long cloaks, or the Victorian shoes tapping across the old tiles on the floor, and all that history. Um, but also the reasons that we visit the pub um, the social aspect i think is what makes it so important to us and you know if you if you're sad you might get invited to the pub for a drink to cheer you up chat with friends if you're yeah just out socializing on a saturday night you go to the pub if you are the type who might conduct an assorted affair you might have a sneaky drink in a quiet country pub you know there's there's so many reasons that we visit these pubs and they're just the social importance of them I think is um it makes them a place like no other I think I think that's absolutely right they just they are the heart of the community in so many ways aren't they and and can often be the bit that's overlooked but they're, they're there for almost every aspect of human life from births marriages celebrations death that's it yeah um gatherings family moments moments with friends and that's something that's timeless, you know, that those are the same things that have have been there for hundreds of years. And yes. and that's where, in some cases, they are centuries old. And the changes that they've gone through along that period is just quite staggering. You mentioned that you are in the process of writing a book. And I know that it's certainly something I am incredibly excited to get my hands on. Oh. Because I, say, I, think, I think pubs are just magical places and having grown up in a pub when I was younger mm-hmm. um yeah I mean there's just something very atmospheric and special about them and they do have such an incredible history in itself but then all these stories of ghosts and everything is just another layer of interest and, and intrigue so your book is one that I am eagerly anticipating and I know that one of the things that you've been looking at are the, the different types of kind of tropes that exist around pubs and inns and the kinds of stories that they evoke. Do you want to just kind of take us through some of those different types of ghost lore and ghost stories that become associated with our pubs over here in England and Scotland, etc.? Absolutely, yeah. So um, I've kind of segmented the book into elements of haunting factors, so to speak. So it starts off with looking at the, the history of alcohol and how pubs came about. And then it looks at the buildings themselves and the building materials, how that can affect a haunting, what if the building had previous usage, which so many did. Um, And then I go on to look at the people who spent time in the pub. 
which I think is um, the majority of the book. So it's kind of, I've broken it down into areas such as landlords and barmaids and landladies as well. Um, then you've got kind of the monastic side to pubs, which a lot of people don't realise the monastic history um, associated with pubs and basically the foundation um, to a lot of our pubs came from monastic buildings and monks. Um, you've got elements like sailors, soldiers, highwaymen, prostitutes, and then even the, the standard patrons um, are said to haunt some pubs. They see uh, there are reports of an old an old guy passing away and then people see him sitting in his regular seat after he's gone. So there's, I mean, to get your teeth into these sections uh, and trying to find, not trying to find the examples, but trying to minimise the examples that I want to use because it's just endless. It's uh, it's taking time and put up, to try and pick like which ones to include, really. I fully understand mm -hmm. and kind of support why there are stories of people frequenting their favourite local pub once mm -hmm. they pass away. Because, again, I just think it is part of who we are, really. It's 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 us. It's, it's our community. And so just there's something really very heartwarming in a lot of the stories that get told up and down the country about our pubs and um the stories of ghosts they can be really really heartwarming and varied like you said i mean there's this there's elements of history that people just aren't aware of that often then come through in some of that ghost lore as well Absolutely. one of which is the the monastic element you know that many of these locations started out um as something very different you know these were places that were used as as resting places, stopping places that yeah. were supported by monks. And, you know, most people would never think that and associate that with with a pub because of, you know, the type of trade, alcohol, etc. But that's where many of our locations kind of started from, those very humble beginnings. Yeah. Um, so there was a time when most of the travellers, <clears throat> people didn't travel for business or for pleasure. They were either soldiers or, or pilgrims. So the the monks um, would have what we what they refer to then as a hospitium or hospice, which isn't along the same terms as we use today. And it was basically a resting place, like you say, for pilgrims who would be traveling to visit historic um, monuments such as cathedrals, abbeys uh, and the likes. And they needed somewhere to rest. If you were of a higher religious status you would perhaps stay in the abbeys and the the big establishments if you were a bit more lowly you would you would end up in one of these hospices uh and so yeah also the the monasteries had a lot more room to produce ale um which they then provided there was different qualities of their ale so much they would give away to the poor so much they would serve in their hospices and so much they kept they kept for themselves which i was kind of have a smirk about because I think I know which which went where <laughs> um, yeah but then it was during the dissolution of the monasteries when Henry VIII was obviously destroying all these religious buildings that these um hospitiums had to survive they had to adapt so many of them changed their names some of them still had religious kind of connotations like the cross keys relate to I think is it St Peter who's on the gates of heaven 
apologies if I've got him wrong, um, but they kind of maintained a religious nod without being blatant. Um, but yeah, so then they became an, an inn as opposed to a religious resting place. And by this point as well, people were traveling more um, for business and for pleasure and for thing, you know, for everyday travel. So they provided a place to stay and that kind of boosted that whole side of, of our society and the way we, we lived because there were places if you wanted to go somewhere, there was now a place you could you could go and stay. So that's um, a lot of the old inns were actually religious buildings. Again, I think it's that kind of understanding of where these these buildings have come from, really, understanding that past and, and some of that history, because, you know, I, I do think history and hauntings go hand in hand. And I think if you know more about the building and its usage and um, the kind of the pedigree, the, the different people that have been through those gates, through those doors, some of the experiences that have happened changes just in 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 how pubs operated and some of the challenges that were faced along that way you know that way is it's kind of important then to kind of unpick some of the ghost law because one of the downsides i think when it comes to reports about ghost law is there can be so much misinformation that when you then go and you start looking it up you realize that's just an impossibility you've got the dates completely wrong for you to start mm-hmm. saying this is a this is a haunted pub that's frequented by a particularly famous highwayman for example exactly. you know completely yeah. Out, of, yeah. out of order in terms of the real history and that's where you know you do have to have an element of of understanding some of that historical context and doing some of that research to really start to piece together fact from fiction and getting yeah. the story accurate i definitely agree but it's very tricky as well especially with pubs which perhaps don't have the records that other historic buildings do have and it's been a sticking point of mine. Well, not so much now, um, but certainly when I started the book, I found myself dismissing a lot of stories because I couldn't find any factual basis for them, any historical records or anything. Um, and I thought, well, I'm not going to include that because I can't prove it. And then I thought to myself, well, if we're discounting all these things that may have passed on through word of mouth, over all this time and these stories have survived then maybe there is an element of truth to them and therefore we should not just lightly dismiss them because we can't prove it because then we're discounting half of our history really um but then on the other hand it's amazing when you do find a little snippet in the newspaper archives which is kind of my place to go for pub research because the newspaper records uh, and articles kind of it's the best place I find to to document things that did actually happen in pubs. Um, so they were reported on as opposed to documented because they weren't of any kind of historical importance to be documented as such. And yet the newspaper record reported it at the time. So that's my place to go. And when you find a little snippet that does kind of back up one of these old hearsay stories, that just adds the extra element. But I'm trying not to be so dismissive with things that are just perhaps could be hearsay could have an element of truth could have been twisted over time with Chinese whispers you know how it how it goes um it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tangle trying to sort through these things and not dismiss them at the same time I also think you know just touching on what you were talking about just just then it's that kind of lack of um 
recording in the same kind of way that an older property with a, a kind of particular type of, of property that has that kind of s status, if you like. If we're thinking mm -hmm. about our, our castles and our and our halls and our manor houses, you yeah. know, they have an, an awful lot of public funding support. There's a not, you know, there's been a lot of record keeping when it comes to um, land use for those types of locations and um, money transferred, ownership, deeds, titles. I mean, so many different things that are, are kind of recorded and um, maintained in a way that the local pub just doesn't get that same kind of, of yeah. attention. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, like with the censuses, they obviously, a family would quite likely have owned or lived in a hall, for example, or a castle, maybe not so much castles, um, but certainly halls for a long period of time, whereas the turnover for a landlord in a pub was a lot more frequent than that. So looking at one census to the next, you can be missing a whole chunk of history there that you're not going to find anywhere Absolutely. else, really. Yeah. And, and it's... It's partly why I think it's so sad that there isn't that there there, there isn't that kind of um, same kind of looking at a pub in the same way that castles and mansions and manor halls and all these other types of you know very historic buildings that we have. The pub seems to be overlooked as not quite having that same sense of status, and it's not true. Their history is just as long, just as important, mm. and I think it's so sad when we see. <laughs> The number of inns and pubs up and down the country starting to close because of oh, the pandemic and post the pandemic, you know, they've been hit particularly hard. And these are buildings with, like we've been talking about, such a rich tapestry of experiences and moments that are sadly, sadly starting to be forgotten and and lost because their doors are closing. They're, they're literally closing up. And that's just heartbreaking I think absolutely I completely agree and um it's it's awful and there's not a lot that can be done about it sadly especially at this time um but the especially I mean closing and preserving of buildings and having them turn into something else at least they still exist even if we can't enjoy them as they once were but it's the demolition of buildings especially like with the the punch bowl in in Ribble Valley um which was done illegally and you know i just think god what, what how people can be so careless and mm -hmm. that that frustrates me more than the pubs just having to close which is obviously understandably tragic and i've read cases of landlords who are distraught that they're having to choose this route that they just can't afford to carry on anymore but hopefully in those kind of cases there was a pub i forget i forget the name of it now that i've written about in the book which was when i was researching it it was closed but the locals were petitioning to get it reopened and trying to raise the money to self-fund it themselves, which I think is is such a dream. But also, if they're still standing, you've got that option of them opening up again. Um, they may be there closed for 20 years or so, but there's life in them still to be had. Whereas, yeah, yeah, it's best not to get me started on the demolitions. <laughs> but this is where I think if we, if we keep exploring the stories that these these buildings in our community have if we keep exploring the ghost law that they have if we keep talking about them if we keep using them that's where yeah. we keep them alive that's where we can keep them going because it it's it's those stories it's everything about them that we just don't want to lose and this is where i think 
you know what you're doing what you've been doing is an important aspect of that because it's it's sharing them with other people it's getting that interest and that intrigue and that discussion around them so that someone who may be who has an interest in um, a connection with shipping sailing that kind of aspect mm -hmm. of history it can maybe find some new locations that they've never realized before that has that connection yeah um, for someone who's interested in highwaymen and those kinds of stories you know you can maybe find a different pub that you can go and look at and see but actually this is where you have this story about this person and this this event happening and this this character being part of this this kind of the bricks and mortar yeah. and you know just on that local local front of well here's my local and these are the ghost stories reported about them here type thing it's mm -hmm. so important not to lose it keeps them going it keeps that intrigue and that yeah. talking point talking point about them really very much in the forefront of people's minds i think i had a similar um a similar quandary on um when i was writing the book about a pub that had been demolished and i turned to my little group on facebook to ask opinions really and I said right I found this amazing pub and it relates to um the section on gibbets and executions outside pubs and I said um you know it's got the history it's got the stories but it's been demolished would you like to read about these pubs that are no longer there or should I not include them and just opt for pubs which you can still visit and the resounding opinion was no, include them. And I think it's kind of the same way that we talk about our dead and the historical characters from history. Um, these pubs deserve to be remembered, even though, you know, it wasn't their, their choice that they're not here anymore. So we should remember them and their stories and still appreciate them, even though they have gone and there's no chance that they'll be brought back, then, you know, we should still tell the stories. Absolutely. So do you have a particular type of um, ghost trope or ghost lore, ghost story that, you know, always was the something that you found really intriguing, mystifying, something that you've enjoyed researching? Was there was there kind of one of those aspects that just stood out more than the rest? Oh, always for me, it's the, the piracy and the smuggling. Since uh, a very young age and a family holiday down to Cornwall, um, my dad had taken himself off for a pint to the local pub up the lane. And I remember my mum telling me and my sister about, obviously joking, and we weren't. <laughs> sure, I'm going to make her sound like a bad parent now. She was joking, saying, oh, I hope dad doesn't bump into the pirates on the way home. And um, rather than being scared, we were just massively intrigued. And from there on out, I've just been fascinated with pirates and smuggling. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a favourite of mine. And whenever I read that kind of background story to a pub I'm there I'm involved <laughs> it's got 100% of my attention well it's kind of got everything in it hasn't it you've got that sense of danger you've got that sense yeah. of adventure something secretive underground I mean it really is it, I mean it's a best-selling novel really isn't it yeah, <laughs> and yet absolutely but this is what we have to remember and realize these are the types of stories that some of these locations have, you know, something really very different and clandestine and um, dangerous. And, you know, it, I mean, you just don't know. You really don't know until you start exploring what may have happened in your local pub. Yeah. And in the introduction to my book, I kind of I say that to like 
you go to the pub to meet friends predominantly um how often like you'd go to a castle and look at the castle wouldn't you but how often do you go to a pub and have a look at the pub or consider the history like whose feet have walked across the floor or you know who's stooped to stoke the fire and the murder or the bloodshed even just the fisticuffs and fights that have happened in there you know it's all left a trace and I think we're kind of perhaps guilty of going for a pint and not even considering the places that we're we're drinking in and and all that they they've seen in their past absolutely mm. absolutely I completely agree and I think that's a perfect way of kind of thinking about it I think we become oblivious to what may have happened in there we just we're just focused on what we're doing or enjoying ourselves but we're not actually taking in the atmosphere we're not taking in the building and yeah I mean I'm not not as guilty as of not taking uh paying attention obviously I'll nip off to the toilet and uh everyone will wonder where I've gone when I'm down some corridor or I've just found this really cool bar tucked away at the back <laughs> I will go off exploring and looking for treasures and locked doors that I can try the handles just to see see where it goes and where it leads yeah. <laughs> so, so do you have any um locations that you kind of want to tell us about as part of the episode today you know a pub that you think this is just something that you have to know about for its history and for its its ghost law that you think is is something special and memorable to share definitely yeah so um if you're aware of me and my ale house haunts venture as well as my writing for the haunted magazine then you'll know that my I, I mean, I'll, I'll go so far as to say it's my favourite pub, is the Prospect of Whitby, which is in Wapping in London. Um, so you've got the Prospect of Whitby, and along the road is another pub, the town of Ramsgate. Now, these pubs um, are on what was, well, is, is known as Execution Dock. Obviously, the executions don't take place anymore. But the, the bank of the Thames, which ran between these two pubs, was a place of execution for those who had been condemned of sea crimes. Um, the exact location of where these hangings took place isn't known, although some, some believe it was behind the town of Ramsgate, whereas behind the prospect of Whitby, you have a makeshift uh, noose on a little gallow, which is quite fun. Obviously not original, it's just a nod to the history. So somewhere along there is where pirates and the likes would have met their end. Um, and both pubs have got amazing history, which I'll go through. But for me, the prospect of Whitby just trumps it slightly because once you walk into the pub, you see the wood, uh, the wooden bars with the brass tops, the wooden walls, it's just, you just feel like you've walked into an old pirate ship. It just creaks and it smells and it's just not in a bad way, in a, in a good pubby way. Um, and it's just, you just feel like you've, you've walked back into time. And there was sadly um, a devastating fire in the 1700s, which destroyed most of the building. Uh, this flagstone floor, which you'll walk into, walk onto so once you walk in that is original from the 1500s the rest was rebuilt in the 1700s and the pub claims to be the london's oldest riverside pub which obviously depends on whether you take into account the fire so it was originally known as the pelican back in the 1500s and then during like the 16 into the 1700s 
it had a very bad reputation and it became known as the Devil's Tavern. It was overrun with pirates and prostitutes and sailors and it wasn't really a place most people would have wanted to have frequented. I personally would have loved to have had a snoop around in a pub like that in those times. But yeah, so that's, it was had a dark, dirty reputation. And it's supposedly haunted by Judge Jeffries, known as the Hanging Judge, who was responsible for a lot of executions during the 1600s. Obviously he was notorious, he he was very cruel um, and seemed to take pleasure in making an example of people. And so he is kind of looked upon as one of history's bad guys. He lived nearby and would have overseen a lot of the executions that took place. And it's said that he even had a favourite seat in the Prospect of Whitby, where he would watch out the window and watch the executions taking place. Now that kind of um, kind of gives a nod to the fact that maybe they were outside this pub as opposed to the town of Ramsgate. And I mean, what's not to say that perhaps they moved along the river, they could have had different execution spots. So they could have they could have happened outside either. But the thing that I like as well about these two pubs is that you would have, the pirates or, you know, other sea criminals would have had their last drink here before being taken to their execution. So back in those days, in the 1600s, 1700s, most people were held, criminals were held in Newgate prison and then taken to execution, if that were to be their fate, at Tyburn, which was the main um hanging place of london which is where marble arch is now um and i believe i forget the exact figures but something like 700 people a year were executed there over the course of about 200 years i might have got those figures wrong but it's a ridiculous amount of people for those that were convicted of a sea crime they were held at marshalsea prison and then they were taken to execution dock to be executed They were allowed a drink in the Prospect of Whitby or the town of Ramsgate before they went to their execution. They were then led down. Both pubs have got a little alleyway down the side of the pubs and they were taken, whichever or both it may have been, were taken down here onto the banks of the Thames where they were hanged. Now, most people, most criminals were hanged at a gallows and they were suspended on say like a horse and cart for example or on a ladder and they would have had a long rope and the, the drop would have usually broken their neck um the rope being long enough pirates because they were so troublesome and they wanted to be made not that other criminals weren't troublesome but they really tried to make an example out of pirates so their execution was a lot more grisly so they had a short rope on a, a small gallows where they were they climbed a ladder, had the rope tied over their neck, the noose placed over their neck, and then the um, the way that they were dropped was it was called turning the prisoner off. So basically, the ladder was just kicked from from their feet. So there was no drop, there was no quick death. They basically strangled and did what was known as the martial seed dance. Um, and to set further example, they were then left outside which would have been these two pubs or one or the other, for three high tides of the Thames. So they would have been quite gruesome, bloated, covered in goodness knows what sea creatures and things, eating them by the time those three high tides had passed. 
from there they were then either buried somewhere the notorious the ones they really wanted to make an example of such as captain kidd who was executed out the back um he was tarred and taken down to tilbury point in essex on the thames and he was ha actually hang gibbeted there for three years as a warning to everyone coming in via the on the ships to just to not be a pirate basically he was one of the first privateers who was condemned for piracy so he was made um a big example of so you've got all that history and then in a turn of fate judge jeffries who was very in favor with james ii um during the the glorious revolution james ii had fled when william of orange was coming over to take take the throne and judge jeffries being very disliked in the country decided to follow him um and he was actually caught on whopping old stairs out the back of the town of ramsgate dressed as a sailor trying to blend in and it's reported that he'd even shaved his big bushy eyebrows off and attempt to disguise himself and he was he was caught just before he tried to board a boat to hamburg so that actually happened outside the town of ramsgate where he is supposed to haunt the prospect of whitby and Captain Kidd is supposedly haunting the town of Ramsgate. So I think the pair of that, they do come as a pair in my mind, although the prospect of Whitby, as I like I say, does trumpet. They do have so much history and including such important figures in our history. And it's just, they just have it all for me, I think. It's quite chilling. It's very dark. It's very... Um... It's not what someone would expect sitting down having their pint, really, is it? Um, no, in a lovely, trendy London. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. It's very kind of, it's got the old, um, what do you call them? The old kind of docking uh, warehouses and things. Um, they, a lot of them have been turned into flats now, and it's by the wharf. I forget the name of the wharf that's there now. Cap St. Catherine, is it Catherine's Wharf? Um, it's, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely area, but then this history, you just, I mean, you could easily just go about your day and be completely unaware of it you if you go into the especially the prospect of whitby there are things on the wall to read um about the piracy and and the the kind of the the plotting and things that went on in these these upstairs rooms away from the prying eyes of the public and things and i just you can easily for me anyway just visit this pub the last time i was there it just absolutely poured with rain and it was just so cozy and i think on a day like that you can appreciate the history even more it just seems to bring it to life a little bit more it's the color it's the richness like you said it's the sounds that they they create it's the colors that you see it's yeah. the warmth that they exude it's 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 all of that really um, mm -hmm. there's something just different about them very very special and different yeah completely and the, the prospect of whitby as well is also haunted by a mole cut purse which was a female thief who dressed as a as gentle well, I'll say a gentleman a man breeches not not posh um and there's she would cut the coin purses off of drunk men basically that's how she made her money and uh and there's meant to be one of these haunting in the prospect of whitby as well and she's seen sitting in dark corners smoking a pipe and i just think that just adds to the whole like you say, it's kind of romanticised and it wasn't, obviously wasn't very lovely at the time, but looking back, it's so different to the way we live that it's hard not to just 
become entangled in the the magic of it all really We are about to celebrate hitting our 100th episode of Haunted History Chronicles on the last Friday of April 2023. To say thank you for the months of May, June and July, there are going to be daily paranormal podcasts available to enjoy on all tiers over on Patreon, as well as the usual additional items available over there. Signing up now will gain you access to these, as well as all previous archived content. For as little as £1, you could be getting hundreds of podcasts to enjoy, and more, and know that you're contributing and helping the podcast to put out another 100 episodes. You can find the link in the episode description notes, as well as on the Haunted History Chronicles website, along with other simple and great ways to support the podcast directly. It's all truly very much appreciated. And now, let's head back to the podcast. But it's the it's the character that these locations have and the the, the colourful characters that they've seen. I mean, just imagine that story and that person in in itself. Someone stealing people's coin by cutting their you know their wallet effectively from them. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, it's just something that you you couldn't imagine, you couldn't picture. No. But it does conjure up so many questions and so many thoughts about who that person was, what their life was like. Um, how they did it, you know, how brazen they would have to be to do something like that and to be able yeah. to get away with it. I yeah. mean, it really does add to the to the whole feel of a place, doesn't it, to kind of really understand exactly what we were talking about earlier. These were some of the characters, the people who walked across that same floor, who maybe sat in the seat where you're sat. Mm. They, they may have have chosen you and sidled up to you to try and rob you you know these are the things that you kind of then start to imagine and to conjure and, and that's where it becomes I think really exciting you really do get to step back into some of that past some of that history definitely and understanding the ghost law is one way of I think being able to do that to explore that really Mm-hmm. But it's like you say as well the the history and the ghosts they go in they go hand in hand but to I've really found since I've been doing all this research kind of the ghosts almost although the interest will never be lost they kind of get sidelined for the history um which is obviously kind of the most important element because once you have an understanding of this history and you can picture these things more then I think that gives you a deeper understanding of the ghosts that are said to haunt the place so for example if I say to you oh there's a ghost of a monk here or a ghost of a highwayman, which often, you know, are recounted in pubs. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. But once I start to tell you about kind of how highwaymen behaved and their whole demeanour, then when I then tell you, okay, there's a ghost of a highwayman who said to stand in the doorway or in the corner of the bedroom, like in the Jamaica Inn, then you suddenly have a bit more of an appreciation for that spirit rather than it just being a ghost and a ghost story. I think they become very much more real, don't they? They they, they always get fleshed out. They no longer feel like something that is ghostly, but actually something very real, something very tangible. And I think yes. it makes it much more relatable. And yeah. I think for, for people maybe who who then aren't as interested in paranormal investigating, should we say, um, just that kind of aspect of history and then connections with some of those stories, I think it, it 
it adds another type of appreciation for those who maybe are just casually interested in ghost lore and ghost history and and history in general but for you know for diehard paranormal enthusiasts as well i mean it it kind of meets a lot of different people's needs and kind of interest and excitement i think i think there's that real range of of how you might experience a location like a pub what it has to offer yeah and i think as well even if like you say if you don't have such an interest in the paranormal just just a small little history snippets and did you know like this happened in here wow no it didn't and you, you don't even have to be that that heavily invested in history to just appreciate the things that have gone before so i think it really does because we all i mean can you imagine a world without a pub no <laughs> it would be sad. <laughs> not what I want to be part of. But we we all go to a pub, whether it's like my dad or you know the guy who lives down the road who's entirely skeptic or an old lady. You know, teenagers. We all use the pub. So even to find out little pieces of their history, I think appeals to everybody, regardless of your depth of interest in a particular area or history or paranormal. It speaks to all of us. Oh, I think it's our cultural past. I think it's it's the changes and the evolutions of not only the, the local community, but the wider history, the wider kind of historical backdrop. And they literally played out in these in these locations. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I mean, I can think of so many different examples of, you know, people sitting around making plots. I mean, take, trying to decide ways to um, overthrow a king or a queen. You know, mm. these were things that took place often in pubs. You know, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, literally, you you have you have them at the heart of so many, so much of our history, so many of our stories that you know we we know and we love, and it's yeah. it's kind of being mindful of that. There, there's there's so much more to them that once you start peeling back the layers, I mean, what they reveal is just. I mean, it does. It sends sends shivers down your spine. You know, it's that kind of a a revelation. I think because there is so much history to uncover, literally to start stripping away, and it's it's mind blowing the different things that have often taken place in some of these locations. And like we've talked about, the characters that have been involved along the way, the people. I mean, it's yeah. just magical. It's really, really exciting. I think. Yeah. It's like with the pubs with, say, um, soldiers, for example. There's lots of pubs, especially around my area near the like the Battle of Naseby and things. A lot of pubs that were haunted by Cromwell, and they say, "Oh, this is where he stopped off before this battle," and you know, this is where they planned this battle. So you've got that kind of thing. Um, but then what people don't realise is a lot of times pubs were taken over by soldiers and used as a temporary hospital with the basements being so cold the cellars as well as being used as a morgue in the past countless i mean you can you can google nearly every old pub and they will have had an inquest held there because it was the place to take the dead body at the time before hospitals really you know became a big thing um but then as well with soldiers there they did the same the star inn in york they claim that soldiers during, I think it was the Civil War, took over the basement and you can hear cries of pain from dying soldiers. And then the there's the old black bear in Tewkesbury. This is one of my favourite ghost stories just because it's a proper um, hiding under your bed, under your duvet with a, with a torch ghost story. That's 
supposed to be haunted by a headless man seen dragging chains. Now, when I looked into this story a bit more, um, it's believed that during the Battle of Tewkesbury in 1471, Lancastrians were heavily defeated by the Yorkists and um, a lot of them fled and held, held out in the church for a little while and then they were they were taken. But the the sick and the injured apparently went to the Black Bear, which has existed since 1308. So um, people report that this headless man is seen in dated clothes. And so it's believed that he was um, a Lancastrian soldier. Now, I think if he'd had his head removed, he probably wouldn't have been carried the distance to be taken to a pub. So I'm not sure where his head went or where the chains have come from, but I just think that kind of gives a bit of a, a background to where this, this really scary sounding ghost may have come from. And it perhaps isn't quite as scary as as anticipated although I think to see him I would be quite terrified <laughs> but I think it's making those kinds of connections that actually make it scarier um yeah. because it's it it's real you know it, it's making a real life connection with something that happened with events that happened in that region yeah. that 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 makes that story not a story if that makes sense yeah because i think you know we all have ghost stories that we know and we love that we read that are fiction that um are are kind of stories that we all know are just part of our kind of cultural passing down of a story kind of a you know word of mouth type thing but we know that they're not you know they're not true that they are just part of the the kind of the fabric of of storytelling really Mm -hmm. But when you have something that really is rooted in fact in some way, may have changed, may have been embellished, things might have been added, it might have evolved, that story, that account may have changed over time, yeah. just telling it and telling it and telling it. But mm -hmm. to be able to take it back to the kernels of, well, this is, this is what it's really kind of connecting with, that is the kind of the the hairs on the back of your neck moment because that real story is in some ways as exciting as the ghost story it's that they they go hand in hand as we said but to then tease them apart and examining them examining them side by side is also really quite special and exciting i think yeah and i think a lot more chilling as well in the with regards to to basically just our history how brutal we were mm -hmm. and that's so far removed from how we behave today in a lot of ways not always um but that i think adds the extra chill element as well when you realize people did have their head chops off people did you know were executed on the battlefield and it was all so gruesome that once you say right this ghost is missing his head because of this like like you say the reality of it is it just adds to it doesn't it? it adds to the creepiness it does and and like you were mentioning just realizing that many of many of our local pubs do have this kind of history of of the building itself being used for other things like you mentioned makeshift malls here's where here where where often inquests were held um oh. you know bodies would have been taken and laid out to be examined in many of these locations yeah and again, that's not something that people really know about or are mindful of but there are some incredible examples of reports of ghostly apparitions and paranormal activity associated with locations 
linked to that type of history too. I mean, I'm, I can think off the top of my head about um, the bottle and glass in um, the Black History Museum where it is now. I mean, that's yeah. an incredible, I mean, it's one of my favorite buildings. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is that element of, of, of activity there linked to precisely that with um, tragedies of accidents and then the bodies being taken to that building post that for, for the inquest. Yeah, and that's a perfect example as well of stories that are kind of changed over time, but that do have the historical um, basis to them. So for those who don't know the story of the bottle and glass it, and the Black Country Museum, every building in there has been moved from another location and saved, rebuilt brick by brick in exactly the same way as it would have existed elsewhere, predominantly around the, in the West Midlands. So the bottle and glass existed on the canal bank further down the canal further down towards Starbridge I believe I might have got that wrong um got so many pubs in my head it's hard to to differentiate them sometimes um and the story that they tell now is that a boy was on a horse and he fell into the cut and drowned and that the horse was more financially important to those who were rescuing it so they rescued the horse before the boy and during that time the boy had drowned um I've actually included it in the book uh, and during my research, I did find a newspaper article describing a boy who had drowned outside the pub in the canal. Um, the details, I forget his name and the year and things, but it actually happened. And it, he'd been on an errand for his mum. The horse wasn't actually ever involved if this is exactly the same case, which I think it must be. Um, and it was just heavily, heavily foggy. And he fell in and he wasn't found sadly until the next morning. His body was taken to the bottle and glass. Um, I believe it had a different name at the time, which has escaped me. But he was he was um, left there, which was often the case if people a body was found after an accident or whatever, it was taken to the local pub. And it kind of explains as well um, the mysterious ghosts. So if it doesn't quite make sense that perhaps a young boy is haunting a pub when there's been no record of a bo young boy via the family ever living in this particular pub, then you can look at the inquest and think people have that belief that um, the spirit stays with the body for a short amount of time before passing on. So if that's the case, if this body, especially if it's been recently discovered after death, is then moved on the first building it sees is the pub, then it's possible that its spirit has remained in that pub. So it does go some way to explaining when you find proof of the examples of why perhaps certain spirits are in certain places. Absolutely. And um, it's just that kind of other element. It's like, like you were mentioning, that explanation possibly about why some of the reports associated with that location come through that don't necessarily make sense at first. Yeah. Because it's not something that you can link to maybe the, the normal footfall, the normal person who would have, would frequent that location. Yeah. But it's it's understanding that over its history, these buildings were used for a variety of different things through times of war, um, through kind of just normal evolutions and changes in terms of how pubs were kind of being used and operated. I mean, so many things along the way that really do play into what you may be experiencing, and it start it's trying to tease some of that some of that out and understand um, some of that backdrop to explain what might be happening in the present. 
Yeah, exactly. And another example um, is the Four Crosses in Cannock in Staffordshire, which is no longer operating as a pub. Um, but for those who are interested in kind of paranormal investigations, you can still visit. Um, and I remember on an event being told that the attic was allegedly haunted by a prisoner, which you might think, well, how did that come about? Why is a, a pub haunted by a prisoner? Well, prisoners were often transported, especially if they'd committed a crime in a different county. They were sent back to their home county for punishment. So they would be transported, usually by horse and cart. And, you know, the time the coaching in, you they were called stagecoaches because the journey was broken up into stages. It was usually about 10 miles, I think. So the horses needed to rest, etc. And travel was a lot slower. The roads weren't in the quality. Well, I say good quality. Our roads are awful at the minute. But, um, you know, they were nowhere near the roads that we have today. So journeys were broken up. So these, like, for example, the transportation of prisoners, their journey was broken up and they had to be held somewhere secure. Sometimes it was in a basement. Some pubs still have shackles um, where prisoners were held temporarily as part of the journey. Uh, or like with the four crosses, perhaps in the attic, maybe that was more secure. Um, so things like that, just little insights into the way that we lived give so much of a an explanation for some of these, what initially seem like mysterious ghosts. They're never ending, I think, because we have so many of these different types of, of locations on our doorsteps and it's it's what they have yet to reveal I think is is part of the exciting part you know the kind of the exciting part of their story really yeah because absolutely it's what we don't yet know what still is yet to be discovered about so many of them you know little bits of information nuggets of information that may be squirreled away in some archive somewhere um in a local library somewhere you know um in an attic somewhere i mean it it's just when you kind of realize that it's so i don't know it's it's the kind of stuff that you keeps me awake at night thinking <laughs> you know what else what other mysteries do they have that could literally literally become discovered in the next 10 years or in a hundred years yeah. time what and I think someone find out about them yeah that's what makes it all the more sad when pubs are closed or even worse demolished like there's one near me which was knocked down I think it was last year um and I decided to include it for reasons I can't remember now what area of the book it's gone into but reading through the newspaper archives one of the stories um was of a landlady looking out the window obviously that's not happening now because the windows have gone the whole building's been knocked down but um so that was one of the ghost stories and then when i was researching the ghost stories a little further there was a quote of a landlady um saying that it was her pub and should anyone ever try to damage it or destroy it she would kill them um which i thought gosh she sounds like a character and then through the newspaper archives, I discovered that a woman who managed or ran the pub, owned the pub in the early 1900s, for want of a better word, was an absolute horror. And she looked after her nephew, but neglected him. And he kept trying to run away and he was brought back time and time again. And then in the end, he ended up in um, in care because they realised that she wasn't <laughs> taking care of him as she should. Um, and she had several court appearances for letting her cattle stray on the highway, 
for um, serving alcohol out of the allowed hours. Um, and she just really seemed like a piece of work. And then I think, oh, I could go past that pub and see if I could see her peeking out the window. But now that it's gone, like that whole opportunity has is, is gone with it. And it was sad to kind of discover the history afterwards, after the opportunity to go and visit the place had gone. Yeah, it's 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 dark and depressing. I think I saw um, something recently where they were saying, was it 35,000 pubs in the UK are at risk of closing or have closed in the last year? Yeah. Which I think is just, it's mind-blowing. It's truly sad. I, I mean, yeah. I think that was the statistic, but it, it made me really pause and think about it because it's something I have thought about a number of times because... You know, I think it was a trade that was so particularly affected, so acutely affected, like restaurants. You know, something that involved hospitality when you can't do that is, mm -hmm. is very difficult. And um, like you mentioned, when you when they go, the history that goes with it is can be so resonant. You know, for the community, it can be so so much kind of rooted in. The, the location, the history of the location, the community, that when it goes, it's a part of that community going with it. And that's the bit that we have to be really careful of. And, and you know, you were just mentioning this one account of this one pub with this woman, you know, there could be so many other places exactly like that. And, you know, it's it's truly, it's it's a depressing thought. And again, I think it's something that we can all be part of trying to change. Let's, you know, let's not forget and overlook our local pub. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to, to the early, early days, you'd be amazed to find out how many pubs actually existed. So a small village could have five pubs um, and towns many, many more. So, I mean, how many villages do you go through now and they don't even have a pub? And I think you kind of realise, oh, this village hasn't, well, especially me because I'm doing the research more heavily aware that villages don't have that pub anymore and I think that, that it's almost like they've lost their heart mm. that the, the the soul you know the what brings that or brought that whole village together for a long long time is gone and hopefully more often than not it will be someone's house now you know a nice old cottage or whatever but um yeah the amount that we did have at one point was massively more than we have now but yeah since obviously since covid and now the energy crisis and everything just seems to be a crisis right now mm -hmm. um it, it is it's very very sad and yeah that's if i could have a little a little slogan it would save our pubs absolutely i agree with you and you know you were you were talking about something just a moment ago that i think is is still very much true today you know these were locations that you had really industrious, hardworking people who really cared about their locations. And I think that is still true today. People really do care about um, the pub that they run or they manage or they own. And um, yeah. there's so much hard work involved in them. And and it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy life because, you know, it can be very early hours. It's very late hours. You don't get a lot of sleep in between. Um, yeah it's it's seven days a week it's a lot of effort it's a lot of hard work and you know just thinking about some of the it's the history of the the pub and the people that have owned them it always staggers me that um 
often these were places that were run by you know women whose husbands have passed away and they've taken it on themselves and you know, mm. these you kind of end up then with these really colorful stories of these women really strong and and kind of holding no nonsense and and hence why you get stories like you were just reporting of of someone saying you know don't do anything to my pub or you know whatever i'll have you type yeah. yeah you know there's so many other stories and, and and kind of accounts that i can think of similar types of things with with um previous inhabitants just making their presence known of of not liking things being done um not liking people enjoying um having a sandwich or something to eat in their pub because they didn't think that should happen don't like yeah. all the new gadgets the the electronic tills and things that now are in their location you know yeah. all these changes you know they come back and say i'm not sure of this type of a thing yeah and that's quite common. Example. yeah a prime example and I, I can't remember the name of the pub which i'll kick myself for but it's the the last galleried coaching in 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 london i believe um so coaching ins had two types you had the gallery type and the i forget the name of the other one basically um the galleried ones had kind of flanks running down the sides of the courtyard which had the bedrooms in um and then when the railways came in a lot of coaching ins well as you can imagine suffered and in london a lot of these coaching ins were being destroyed because they weren't they just wasn't the use for them anymore and this the landlady of this particular one um fought tooth and nail to have her pub saved and two i think two of the two of the sections were actually destroyed but one exists um i've got a feeling it's the george but i think i might have that wrong um around southwark area and she was um a real stickler for no my pub's not going as you can imagine and she is said to haunt the pub now and she's very anti anti anything that's modern or changing times and she has said to cause havoc with with the tills the card readers people's cameras don't often work properly in the pub if they want to take photos and i just think that's a perfect i just i'd love to meet her in real life just to she just seems like such a good character and i'm glad she's still defending her pub from beyond yeah there's there's something very comforting i think in in feeling their presence still or still knowing and hearing about them and so still having that connection with how hard and how much they cared i mean yeah. i think one of my favorites is the levitating sandwiches you know account of it's a pub in in london and and they just didn't approve of food you know this was a place that you drank you didn't they didn't serve food and so um people who try and eat often have their food knocked on the floor but there was yeah. one account of literally sandwiches levitating in the air as she was taking it off the tables yeah. <laughs> <Away from her. laughs> i mean it's just such a love you know it's it's it makes you laugh it makes you giggle but you don't forget the the reason and the person behind it and, yeah. and i think that's the important thing that's the bit that makes it special you know these these stories help us to not forget the past and and the person behind that story yeah and i think that's the key element with pubs as well is the people like i say when i when i sectioned up my book into the different areas it's the people that take up the majority and that's that's the heart of the pubs is the people regardless of what they were used for or whatever it's the people that had those uses for them which made that impact on the building whether it was you know if it was a morgue it was the people who were held there if it was a prison in the cellars people were held there if it was 
um, a postal service and the stagecoaches coming through. It was those people, the highwaymen, whatever it was used for, people are the, you know, at the heart of that. And that's why you have so many interesting stories, because it's not just something industrial or something it's it all just comes down to people and i think that's why they vary so much regardless of whether they're concerning landlords or highwaymen or whatever they've all got their individual stories to tell as well which is just just adds so much depth to it all and makes researching it i think exciting but also difficult because there are so many i mean i mean you could potentially write 10 11 12 books oh yeah and, and not scratch the surface yeah you know, there's just there's such a wealth of difference and um i mean it's not a bad it's not a bad kind of thing to research getting to visit them and have a drink in some of them no. <laughs> it's a lot of work yeah just going to the pub why i've just got to speak to someone about something <laughs> might involve beer <laughs> but it's a good excuse <laughs> good excuse Perfectly. to have something to drink <laughs> My partner comes home at lunchtime to drop stuff off and he's like, where are you? Oh, I'm just at the pub. <laughs> oh, <again. laughs> I think that was, that was a smart move on your part, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any idea um, when you're going to be finished with the book, when you're hoping to have it out? Well, I, I mean, I say this year, I need to give myself a kick up the backside. During the summer holidays last year, I really dropped the ball, obviously having the children home and come the evening and I just couldn't be bothered to sit and think to write. Um, so I've just kind of, come September, I've picked it back up and I've started right from the beginning because I was writing this chapter and then I jumped to that chapter and it, you kind of, you lose interest a little bit, like the whole section on brothels, they weren't recorded because they were illegal. So a lot of it's hearsay and it was hard going that chapter so I jumped to something else and, and then come September I couldn't remember where I was so went back to the beginning I've started editing it chapter by chapter realizing which ones I need to work on add more pubs to blah 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 so I'm kind of about halfway through but I know some of the <laughs> some of the latter chapters are some of my favorites like the the hangings and the pirates and things so I know that those chapters are already okay so I don't know. Like we say, I've got a lot more projects I've just added to my workload right You're now. You're a busy woman. <laughs> yeah. So it will be this year. Um, I can't wait. Be, I really I, can't wait. I just sure think, as I say, I just think it's it's something needed. It's something necessary. And there are an awful lot of books. Don't get me wrong. There are an awful lot of books about haunted areas where they might focus on pubs or mm -hmm. um, haunted inns in itself. But I, I don't know. I, I can't think of many that are kind of doing what you're doing, which is this kind of overview, this comprehensive look of different types and why they exist and what they're telling us about the history. You know, yeah. it, it seems something very unique and special. And again, I just think it allows us to really understand the changes and um, the depth of history that some of these locations can have and to understand the variation in the types of reports and accounts. And you're making people aware of that in a way that I think we sometimes, we we, we know, but we don't really recognize it. It doesn't sit with us. We don't make that connection. Um, and so, you know, having it kind of documented in the way that, I, that you're doing, I think really helps us to understand pubs and their history and the ghost lore and everything around that, all of those different things in one place if that makes sense yeah and I think as well like with the history and I mean I've got an, an A level in history I studied it at school but there's so many elements where you know of you know the 
the um the civil war for example you know roughly kind of when it was or which king was kind of at what era but then to think like the the tudor house hotel in tewkesbury i think it was charles the first was said to have hidden in a priest hide in the pub that's just a whole different world to our royalty now isn't it hiding in cupboards in pubs from from the enemy and stuff and once you you put him for example at that pub then you think oh you might google a picture of him and then read a little bit about him and you kind of you just have much more of an appreciation for some, even if it's just a little small element of history mm-hmm. it just opens your mind up to things that you yeah you knew a little bit about but didn't really care much for enough to to think about it overly um and when you've been somewhere that that person has been in an environment that's not kind of like a stately home where or a castle where if you were visiting that castle at the time that that king or queen was alive you probably wouldn't have seen them or got near them um but here they were hiding in this corner of this little pub where you're enjoying a brandy or whatever then it's just it makes it more like tangible like you say it's 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 that realness to it, I think, again, it just brings someone alive. Alive. It's, it's not someone that you're just simply reading about in a book off of a page. You're actually able to appreciate, you can maybe visit that loc- location where they have hidden away or they've spent a night and, and had something happen or whatever it is, it, it suddenly makes that person more of a person. And I think yes. that's the, yeah. the element to it that's a bit special. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've got a, a busy year ahead and you know obviously we've mentioned the fact that hopefully your book is coming out <laughs> which will be really, people really do need to kind of um <laughs> read when it does because i think yeah. it will be something that they will enjoy very much so but oh, i know you've got so many other things that you're also doing you are always busy whether it's writing for haunted magazine whether it's carrying out all these other projects and i know that there are some things that you can't say and and so on but yeah I would say that, you know, things like your website, following you on social media is really important because there's lots of things that you are doing and in the process of doing that Mm -hmm. I think are very, 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 very exciting (laughs) and people do not want to miss. Um, And so, you know, make sure to look Lauren up. I'll put all of her social media pages and everything into the website and um onto the podcast description notes and things look her up if you're not following her because you don't want to miss out <laughs> it's that simple but also i mean thank you for that and yeah um i have got a lot of things coming up which is it's very exciting but also i rely on my social media for interaction with people writing the book or any other projects really so um especially in my facebook group alehouse haunts people say to me, oh, have you been here? And they'll share a pub with me. And like we were saying, pubs are in decline, but there's so many that I just have never heard of, haven't touched upon. So yeah, my little community is vital to me. And um, if anybody wants to join in and contribute, then I'm very, very grateful. It's literally a movement in its own right. It is a (laughs) movement and it's brilliant. It's a really interactive space that I think actually the people in there come together for the same reason and it's what we've been talking about our pubs are our part of our community they're part of who we are and the the people in there are all there for that reason um it's somewhere special to them and they've got their own story or something that they remember from their childhood or or their favorite pubs that they want to talk about and and like you were saying lauren have you been here you need to come here you know yeah, and that's yeah. 
you know, when you can have that kind of buzz, that kind of interaction, it's it's magical. And you really don't get that from many other places and, and other groups. And so, again, you don't want to miss out. You really do need to go and check out some of those some of those things and join if you're interested because they're just they're they're a lovely space to be able to come and talk about absolutely you know the local pub ghost law history i mean it, it's just it's just a wonderful place to exist <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly, like the, the example of the prospect of Whitby, I shared, um, I made a little video for TikTok um, and shared it. And a friend I know said, oh, my dad used to live near that pub. He was walking um, back from work or to work early, it, kind of out of hours time. It was all dark and quiet all around. And he said he had men singing sea shanties coming from the pub when it was all locked up and dark. And that little kind of addition to the whole big picture, yeah. I wouldn't have had that if you know we don't have this kind of social media little team so i appreciate all of it it's brilliant isn't it oh honestly thank you so much for your time we could talk pubs i think for the next <laughs> years <laughs> and Absolutely. still have thousands more to talk about <laughs> definitely <laughs> we're, we're rather lucky here in the uk i think for for our pubs so i just appreciate you coming and giving us a tiny tiny little insight into you know what you're working on some of the locations that you explore some of the things that you're writing about and it's a little teaser for what's coming later this year <laughs> yeah just thank you for inviting me honestly you are welcome anytime especially if we're talking pubs yeah. um, <laughs> anything else you're always welcome um it's like i just it's always fun to chat with you and i just appreciate the chance to do that for the podcast today so thank you very very much and uh, i'll say goodbye to everybody listening Bye, everyone. As we venture into June, you can expect more visits to haunted pubs of paranormal interest with a look at the ancient Ram Inn. You can also journey on the trail of the New England vampire with folklorist and author Dr. Michael Bell, as well as listen to a haunting and macabre tale of obsessive love with Ben Harrison. Now I can't give away all of June's secrets, so make sure to keep following and listening, as well as sharing episodes with friends and family.